good people of Los Angeles, good people of New York City and the greater tri-state area on tonight's first recording of 2022. We welcome the MLS Cup Glow. I'm just going to call it the MLS Cup Glow. Uh, we, we welcome Danny from NYCFC's Third Rail to talk about what it was like winning uh, MLS Cup in Portland. It's uh, part of a new series we're doing on FCFC, reaching out to other supporters group within MLS, within American soccer, to just learn more about like what supporter culture is like with them and hear a little bit about the story of of what went down there. We're going to hear a lot about ISC, the supporters meeting, the annual one that hasn't happened for a couple of years because of COVID uh, happened this year. We talked to Danny about that, returning to the same hotel. I mean, they're practically residents of Portland at this point and yeah. uh, permanent place in their heads rent-free, as we like to say, which is something we know the black and gold community loves. Slim, we're recording this one digitally, but do you want to hit them with the warning? Ladies and gentlemen, we are digital, but we're also all in Dweezy's backyard. So there are helicopters flying, cars driving by, my dog acting like a crazy piece of crap, and the usual profanity. So if you're around children or at work where you shouldn't be listening to profanity, this is probably a good time to stop listening. Fuck Omarion, motherfuckers. Omarion. (laughs) Yes. Sick. FCFC. to the FCFC pod where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. It's your favorite Korean fat boy, Slim. To my right is the bearded one, the spicy one, Josh Spice. Bing. Oh, gosh. He's so New York all of a sudden. To my left is the bearded one, the dweez. Bong bing. And tonight we have a very special guest coming to us all the way from across the whole motherfucking country. We have another bearded one, my homie that that we uh, we bonded through, you know what what stoners bond through, having weed where you're not supposed to have weed <laughs> at ISC conference. Not uh, just the love of all people and all humanity. That that comes they're, pe- with they're a peaceful bunch. Yeah, unless they're doing Adderall and smoking tweak on the side of the weed, like that's usually the the personality that's that's shining through with the stoners. But uh, we have Danny Chediak of NYCFC and Third Rail on the pod with us this, this evening. Oh, Danny. oh, to kick it off in the proper New York way. Bing bong. Bing bong. That's a lot of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Love that. Oh, man. Jersey in the house. Jersey in the house. Danny and I actually come, we're pretty connected. We grew up not with me, like eight miles, nine miles away from each other. So eight mile, baby. That's what we're <laughs> representing right now. Not far at all. Hell yeah. We've also should warn the listeners that we're uh, making our first attempt to record a remote pod with a remote guest while the three of us are together. So 
instead of doing the easy thing, we actually are coming live from the backyard in Expo Park. So there will be many sounds coming to and fro. And we're grateful for Danny and his patience as we got our shit together here. Of course. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. And Danny just got back from ISC conference uh, yesterday, probably. Right. Or Sunday. Uh, Sunday night, it's Monday morning. It was a late flight. Gotcha, gotcha. And I, I just realized today with talking with these guys that it was three years ago that we met at an ISC conference and it just seems, you know, long ago, but like that it happened last year. You know what I mean? For sure. I so mean, how was this year's conference? Years, the last two years don't really count. So yeah, last year. True, true, true. Actually, before we get into the conference, we got to start with our, our normal first question. So take it away, Dweez. Yeah, Danny, this is a football culture podcast. And as such, we like to dive back into the to the memories of our guests. And I, I'm very curious to know, uh, what is your first oldest football memory? My first oldest football memory had to have been being absolutely miserable playing on like some turf, like whack turf field in somewhere in New Jersey and hurting a kid <laughs> because I was just uh, really bad at like playing defense. But what I was really good at was just shoving them off the ball. So that was me. So you inflicted the damage. Yeah. It was, the, Fuck them. Made, it was fun. Jersey guys are tough. Come on. Come oh, yeah, on, Jersey man. is like this hub of U.S. soccer, right? Like it's where all the great coaches and a lot of great players of of the U.S. national team have come from. Yeah, LAFC's got a lot of New Jersey roots, not just Josh Spice. Yeah, in ownership and in past coaches, we've had a lot of Jersey roots. And in route from uh, from Princeton, New Jersey, our, our very own Bob Bradley. Nice. One of our what, – what do we say? What a part, part of, of our history. history. Yeah, but um, <laughs> Danny, what's – um? I mean – this, explain for our listeners the the kind of soccer soccer versus football versus baseball versus lacrosse divide in Jersey because like it's it's kind of an interesting one right there is kind of a a budding soccer scene there's a lot of grass to play on but at the same time I don't know if this was your high school middle school experience but it's still very much as a football town it's a baseball town it's a weirdly lacrosse town it's that's a good way to say it I mean in all reality soccer out here is still second and third fiddle to baseball, to football, despite the football team sucking, the baseball team sucking, the hockey teams also sucking. But when it comes to like, I guess the overall support of the sport of soccer out here in New Jersey, it's, it's, it's not where I would want it to be, especially given the amount of people that you just described that are soccer powerhouses that are representing not only the U.S. national team, but like Jersey as well over the world. So. Right, 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 and it's like, um, no, it's super. That's super interesting to think about. Like, did you? I have not attended like a giant stadium friendly, right? Like where like the big teams come from Europe to to play in uh, in 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 America. But that's that's kind of part of their that's kind of part of their world tour, right? Is the New York tour will stop at Giant Stadium that is actually in the Meadowlands in New Jersey in the swamps. Like, have you, have you attended something like that? Have you seen the the soccer culture kind of like erupt from like maybe more national and international fans there? Uh, funny enough, so I've been to a few different games in and around here, whether it be the Gold Cup, whether it be European like in, International Champions Cup or whatever the hell you want to call it. You get more fervor and fandom for the national teams of people that just happen to be also living here 
or that will travel here for the games than you do for like the big European clubs who come out and play. Like I remember mm. growing up and I, this was back when Barcelona had like Ronaldinho and Messi on the same team. That at that point, it, I want to say out of a stadium about 82,000 at giant stadium, they sold 50 K, but you go to a Colombia, Mexico game or something, or just whoever happens to be playing here, they will sell out without fail. Uh, is there a New Jersey football soccer export that you hold highest? Is there anyone you're the most proud of as a New Jersey native? Ooh, um, I I don't know about you, that's for, for both of you guys. Yeah, yeah for, for for I don't know for you, Danny, but for me, growing up, it was uh, Giuseppe Rossi, who was um, born and bred Italian American New Jersey kid. We, we grew up next to a billion Giuseppe Rossi's that where where I grew up, and then um, him to choose the Italian national side. Um, and like have a pretty successful career in Syria. I'm thinking Florentina was like was a really big deal. I think for a lot of um, a lot of Italian Americans, a lot of New Jersey cats. That's that's the one that comes to mind for me first. What about you, Danny? I was gonna say him too. Although I'm a little bit bitter because there was rumors he was in talks with NYCFC for a little bit, and when it didn't come to fruition, you know, I'm a little bit stung by it. But I get. That is, he's, you're right. He's somebody who's taken like New Jersey soccer and I'll put it on the world stage. You can't, you don't find that anywhere else. Mm. Right. Cause he kind of grew up here and he stayed, he, he like, he was here until like his early twenties or maybe like his 18, 19 years. So like yep. the, all the counties in New Jersey kind of got to see him play and like was really proud of him um, to see him like on an international stage. Teaneck, New Jersey. Teaneck, New Jersey. Teaneck, New Jersey. I'm looking at his. That's right in the place of birth. Right now. Me pretty much. Yep. 1987. Still playing. He's playing at a SPAL now. It's a team in Syria B. So there you go. It's not bad. But he also had a trial at LAFC, I remember, during our inaugural season. Uh, Yes. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, that, that was when but, I was bitter that he didn't come to us, actually. <laughs> but I think that, like, right now, NYCFC has some exports that have New York roots and New York heritage that are going to maybe eclipse Giuseppe Rossi. Do you think oh, so, Dan? Yeah. You got the likes of, likes of Gio Reyna out there. You got uh, sure. Jack Harrison's been ripping. Didn't he score a hat-trick for Leeds like a couple weeks ago? Like, I mean, there's, there's some ago. NYCFC. Yeah. And uh, T- would Timmy Way, uh, did he have NYCFC? No, he never played for the club, but he's got New York roots. So there you go. What about you? Do you think that any of those, uh, the crop of new ones might eclipse uh, Giuseppe? Gio Reyna. First and foremost, like that kid went directly from our academy, picked up interest, I mean, given who his father was, and Mm -hmm. is now in the Bundesliga tearing it up. And although I'm not a a U.S. men's national team fan, seeing him do well on the men's team, too, is only like proof of the pudding that like, holy shit, we actually have an academy and this is what it can produce. It's astonishing. We as a team, like you guys, I mean, well, you have different roots than we do, but we didn't have that foundation, that support, that like building blocks of having an academy team until six, seven years ago. Mm. And now that we got kids who are playing in the Bundesliga and are on our men's national team, tearing up the fields. Like, come on. Yeah. I think he, he is the prime example. So, Danny, how do you go from just destroying kids in, uh, in New Jersey on the on the pitch to becoming such an avid, you know, fan of, of the game as a, as a 
supporter as a watcher like when do you remember like the first games you started watching on tv that you started to get deeper into the game so honestly it happened from when they announced the team at that time growing up here in new york and new jersey it's like i had buddies who were more avid red bulls fans i had been to a few games one of their goalies i used to play smash brothers with because he went to my college at fordham and when the team like it was hard to follow i'm gonna be honest like there wasn't a lot of attraction to it. There wasn't a lot of environment to it. Like soccer was cool. They were playing decent games. Terry Henry was crushing it, but like they couldn't piece it together. And then one day they announced NYCFC. And although fully expecting to have equal problems of being mediocre and sucking or whatever, being able to jump in on the start was a no brainer to be able to get like season tickets. And they were pitching all these founding member benefits of, Oh, when we build a stadium in five years, we're going to put your name on a brick and all that shit, which we don't know is even happening anymore. But you buy into that. And originally I had bought in season tickets, like, eh, like second tier, maybe decent. They were like decent seats, a little bit to the left of like midfield, looking away at the benches. But after like three games of going to those games and seeing people literally have a party in the bleachers, I was like, what the, why am I fucking over here? I should be over there. And I went from like just having my season tickets in those seats to wanting to get involved with the supporter club to starting my own chapter of the supporter club to, well, I guess here I am. Yeah. And on on the biggest stage of all, FCFC <laughs> pod. That's right. That's right. Congratulations. That's right. You made it, Danny. Um, oh, God. I know that was cup. Is pale mom, mom, I did it. I did it, mom. <laughs> What's so? T- talk to us about the third rail a little bit, man. What's uh, the third? The third rail has been. In I had a, I had a couple of friends who picked up season tickets uh, year one, just like you did. And third rail was the supporter uh, club, supporter group that they immediately gravitated towards, and they're like, okay, these guys seem like they have maybe a step above the rest, or they they. It was one of the only officially recognized supporter groups, right, of the of the club's history as well. So, like, what? How did you get attracted to the third rail in um, in particular, and and what's your involvement with them right now? So, as of right now, I'm the vice president of the third rail. Um, the initial involvement was, like I said, it was everybody was having a party, and they were the only group of people that were organizing and doing something. And, you know, meandering through the different Facebook pages and Twitter and Reddit and whatever other internet sphere to figure out, okay, so who's doing what? How do I get involved? You know, I found the link to sign up page and I went from there. And then you're kind of just, you mingle with people in the stands, you mingle with people on Facebook, you shoot the shit. But honestly, my deeper involvement got in when, like, in that first year, people were flirting with the idea of starting chapters. And me... Living at Fort Lee at the time, I was like, cool, going to the city to watch the games for a for watch uh, away watch parties is cool, but I'd rather do it here in New Jersey. And then I just kind of, like, when they were asking who wants to start a chapter, I raised my hand, said, here's a bar, let's all meet up. And then <laughs> the joining of the, the rest of the, I guess, jumping involved and getting so involved as I am now was just like as history. Like we have a chant that it goes, it happens without warning. I fell in love with you. There's no way to explain it. Deep down, my heart is blue. Well, it really did. It's like one day you you had a normal life, and the next thing you know, 
You spent your weekends going to a soccer game. <laughs> we can't relate to that at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. no one listening can either. Oh, Jan, this is Danny's experience. That's, that's actually the perfect way to put it. Yeah. That's in, in a song too. What a yeah, what a perfect way to encapsulate everything that we fucking believe in now. But that's right? like Oh man, that's so wild to think about, man. I think people talk about the the generation three of MLS. Are we is it generation two or three? Nine. Generation <laughs> nine of MLS, right? Where I think NYCFC was one of the first clubs, then it was Atlanta, and then this this kind of new uh burgeoning clubs that come out of the woodwork and they just seem to have shit together. Um shout out to my uh my my wooden spoon holders in uh in uh, in Ohio for for bucking that trend. But um, there's 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 kind of a kinship with the newer the newer franchises the newer clubs to come to this league, and I think I felt that I I I was the same way. I moved to LA right as they were announcing the NYCFC um, club coming in, and as a Yankee fan, as someone who's went from Jersey to watch games in Yankee Stadium all the time, who loves that stadium, but more to come on that later. I was like fucking like fuck. Should I have stayed? You know, like I had dreamt about moving to LA for all this time, but I never had a chance to go come in at the ground floor, as Richard Roscoe says, and co-create this 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 beautiful thing that we all love, know and love. But um, no, we get that, man. We get that that hard for it, that that just getting punched punched in the face by something that you had no idea existed, and then just falling head over heels for it, man. So you're in uh you're you're in good company here. Man. I think you know a big reason, Danny, we wanted to have you on, and. Uh, without rushing to it, you know, into the MLS cup experience and all that. What I, what I did want to just, just, uh, help understand for, for our listeners and for myself, who's getting to meet you for the first time is like, you know, this process of being able to watch the Red Bulls from afar, you know, you had this little bit of football background before. And, you know, as someone who doesn't support the U S national team, what, where was your sort of like barometer when NYCFC gets started? Like, was there a club in, another part of the world or another national team that you followed and you wanted to model your kind of support and how you wanted to back your team after that? Or how did, how did you sort of envision how this was going to go? I had no fucking clue. <laughs> I just kind of, <laughs> I just kind of jumped into it. Like, you know, when they say you take a leap of faith, you don't really think about it. It's kind of really it. I mean, Yankees fan, surprisingly a Patriots fan, but like when it comes to like when it came to soccer supporter them, really didn't have a lot of benchmarks to compare myself to. Because my mother is super Panamanian and she's instilled her love of the country into me because clearly I got the flag right behind me. At the time growing up, Panama's team sucked. And like really non-existent. They were falling out of World Cup qualifying early on so when it came to just like following soccer it was purely just they're having fun i'm not i would like to and then i had in college and in growing up too i had experience organizing and putting together events and like you know parties and shit so when it came the opportunity to do that for soccer i was like well this is combining two things i already know how to do it's a no-brainer yeah was there this idea of like, I've run into this too, this is uh, this American exceptionalism that we believe that we just have our heads on straight for that we are the best in sports, we are the best fans in the fucking world and all that. Was there an idea that when you saw, because like New York, New Jersey sports fans, for for those in the out, outdoors here, are very proud to be like 
well assholes. read. Yes, assholes, <laughs> well read assholes who know their who know their team history, who believe that they they can out asshole the, the the motherfuckers in Philly and Boston, who we just know more. That. Yeah, and and but the fact is like. For a New York sports fan like yourself, outside of the Patriots, I we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> for a New York sports fan like yourself, like to see like to see the uh, the kids on the other side of the room having so much more fun and like being like, how do I join that? Was that was that a pretty <clears throat> natural step in step for you, or was that just like, holy shit, I have to rethink some of my priorities and understanding of the fucking world that I that I live in in this kind of New York New Jersey sports sphere? To be honest, it was kind of like that. I mean. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. To some extent, I still don't. But it was just the right thing to do because it's like you ever have that bill. You ever have that gut feeling in your stomach where it's like, "Oh, I shouldn't be doing this." Well, I never had that. Like it's literally like, "Oh, this is what I'm going to be doing." Like this is, "Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the soccer game today." Hey, right, but shouldn't I be doing this? No, I'm just. This is what I want to be doing. I've made so many friends around me where we just kind of get drunk and scream at people and how can that not be fun did you feel it also allowed for kind of an expression of civic pride of jerseyness of new yorkness that you didn't have access to through some of those other sports absolutely i think more so personally with me if you can see my hat and everything it's like i've done a a good uh, bit of new jersey branding because especially in the beginning and with us trying to, you know, center and strengthen that rivalry that was exactly just fabricated out of nowhere one day with the Red Bulls, there was a lot of Jersey hate at first. Right. So right. much fuck New Jersey, fuck New Jersey. Like so many different of our like Red Bull chants are uh, just go back to New Jersey. You don't belong here. Fuck New Jersey. And in, at, at first I was like, I'm used to this. This is nothing. <laughs> However, getting involved and then like, well, a big piece of why we, I think we gained a lot of goodwill amongst our own internal supporters is because within third rail, New Jersey, by accident, that first year we ended up hosting what we call now the Hudson River Derby tailgate at Red Bull arena, because I mean, you had, you guys had the similar situation with your, I guess, do you guys enjoy calling it El Trafico? But like, Okay. You have that derby with the Galaxy, but because we had such a close ability to get there and everybody's going to want to go out in mass to New Jersey to watch us hopefully beat the Red Bulls, we were able to like get a lot of goodwill by just putting on a bunch of different tailgates at this point. What started mm-hmm. as like a janky old piece of shit grill, charcoal grill, we've blown it out with sponsors and we have 500 people showing up at any given tailgate. Wow. We got like just one year we did it on Cinco de Mayo. We had mariachi show up and just sing our chants. It was insane. But so do you guys, yeah. you guys do that tailgate? You do that tailgate at Red Bull Arena for the away day, right? For the away day at Red Bull Arena. And wow! Can you guys imagine having a real? Can you imagine having a real one at Carson? Yeah, that, a real that, tailgate. It, we don't. We're not allowed I mean, to do that. They got a lot of unused space. So ba- I don't know. Basically, for all the supporters, Ooh. those matches were pretty much not even allowed to like go drive there ourselves. We all get tickets through the club and we take a bus over there with like an escort in and an escort out yeah danny how are the fans from the city getting into uh to red bull arena mostly is it through public transport or like i know all the jersey heads must be doing a mix of driving and and 
and taking the train themselves, right? But how are the the, the city kids getting in? Public transport mostly. So in other years, they've done buses from center places in the city. Past couple of years, not so much, given everything. But yeah. there's a big uh, there's a New Jersey Transit subway system that kind of operates in and out of the city as well. That's called the Path. And that's the easiest way to get there because it actually has a station in Harrison, New Jersey, where the Red Bulls play. It's like dumps right into their park, parking lot. Damn, but, I mean, that's that's a good question. That's nice. Yeah, I think yeah. it's nice to be able to have a tailgate. I wish we, I honestly wish we could do that. And I wish it was just a little bit less, yeah. you know, hostile. Yeah, less like it, yeah. you know. I, I had a few friends who their first match to LAFC was like, I forget which derby, but it was at our stadium. And he was like, yeah, just from the parking lot to the stadium, I saw three fights. <laughs> yeah, does that ever go down in, um, in either Yankee outside Yankee Stadium or outside the Red Bull Stadium? Like, is there – how bad is the blood that, that runs between y'all? Thankfully, not as much anymore. But the first few years were absolutely that intense. Like, to be honest, the fact that we're given a tailgate spot and that we have it, is almost more of a safety precaution to keep everybody in one place rather than having them scatter throughout their other lots and stuff. So, yeah, because back in the day, I remember the first two or three years, guaranteed fights, like no matter what, outside on the way through either either side, in uh, near Yankee Stadium, in New Jersey. I remember one year there was uh, – they were, there's a city next to Harrison called Newark where a bunch of people were pre-gaming and there just happened to be a squad walking by another squad. And they started throwing the – you ever see you know, the sandwich boards in front of, like, the pubs? They started beating each other with it. Like, I don't understand why. <laughs> they just having a sandwich board fight. <laughs> Shout out but, Newark, New Jersey real quick. It would happen. It would go down to fucking Newark. Exactly. Like, there definitely is that bad blood. There still remains that bit of tension. But thankfully, like, both of our supporters have been sanctioned enough and, like, taken our privileges away from us for doing it that everyone's like, okay, maybe if we just curse each other out instead of fight, we might be able to bring drums back to their stadium one day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that that NYCFC has won, the Red Bulls are really, really the little brother now at this point. Oh, yes. Let's make a... Let, let's you take a quick... one more time for me. I just need to hear it one more time. <clears throat> so now that NYCFC's won a cup, uh-huh. doesn't that make the Red Bulls a little bit of brother, little brother now? <laughs> oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Danny, we're going to take our first break real quick and we're going to get back with you. We're going to talk all about the MLS Cup experience, which is why the people came. That's all we live in. It's all basketball. Hey. Let's keep it rocking. Break time. Yeah, boy. Welcome back to FCFC Pod. We are here with Danny, the champion. <laughs> and executive leadership board of the third rail. <laughs> Of NYCFC, he is uh, the founder of, for the people who aren't listening, the New Jersey. That's right, the New Jersey chapter of the Third Rail. Danny, can you give us a, a for 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 those who haven't had the pleasure of riding 
our our wonderful connecting transit system between New York, New Jersey, and all the five boroughs. Can you tell them what the third rail, the name the name of it, represents and means? So, in the New York City subway line, there exists three different rails that connect the train to the the, the tracks. There's the two that operate to literally provide the direction. And then the one that's connected on the side that provides the entirety of the electricity that powers the subway system. So the third rail was named in kind to say that the same way that the third rail powers the subway, we power the club. It's cheesy. That's the cliche mission statement. And there you go. <laughs> When we want to talk about branding, we want to talk about branding, baby. That's beautiful. I was fucking getting chills. I'm bouncing my knee up and down. Dweez is bouncing his knee up and down. I saw you. I think it. I think it's like yawning. You see someone else bounce their knee, and now you start bouncing your knee. It's contagious. Can you not yawn in front of my guest, you motherfucker? Come on. Can you not contagion me with your bouncing? (laughs) Enough contagion. Enough contagions these days. Yeah, exactly. Contingencies for our contagions. We started off this episode (laughs) talking about the glow. That Danny possessed. He has a glow. It's, true. it's not just from the blunt he just sparked. It's 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 from winning a chip. And not only that. I thought it was because he was pregnant. And he's also <laughs> he's also with child drinking a beer. We cannot condone that. We do not condone that on our CSC pod. But also, you're stepping. You you just got back from the ISC supporter conference out in beautiful. Was it in Portland? Yeah, that, that's that's that's. that's, 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 that's <laughs> Talk about oh that. my talk god! About that talk part. about the biggest dick in the motherfucking room. Talk about how you feel going into the fucking lines and <laughs> of people who care about this shit more than any other, any other people group in the fucking world, and you are the yeah, champion. You get to what just did go in there like? and just swing your third rail around? <laughs> Again, I mean, I mean, at that point, it's like you live there. Danny's I like actually made that joke. <laughs> I said to a couple of our board members that at this point we're temporary residents of Portland. <laughs> That's awesome. And you're living on the top floor of the top building. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about it. In their heads, rent free. We have a lot of we have a lot of access to Portland. We have a lot of history with Portland. But for you, Danny, what's um what was it like going in there, not only as uh, a guest, but as a as a conquering hero, man? What what did it feel like to go into IC and what did it feel like coming out? Honestly, it was a weird miss like of dystopia, but it's also like a welcome back home. Dystopia because we were all wearing masks. We were all having to be a little bit more distance than we usually are. Like usually, Sam can tell you when we're all at those things, we're all very big kumbaya and bit like getting super close and hugging and you know everything that supporters do in their own stands. But this time it was a little bit more measured. We could do a little. We could do a little bit less than we would have done in the past. However, having in that glow and walking in with this scarf really, really makes it feel really nice when you're walking into that situation. Did you wear that scarf every day while you no, were there? No, just one of the first day just to be like, hey, guys, how's it going? Oh, this thing? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I picked it up actually here last month. Wait, the, uh, there's no video component for the listeners, so can you uh, just describe that scarf for them real quick? So I am currently wearing the on-field uh, champion scarf that has my lovely logo, NYCFC, accompanied with the MLS Cup on the uh, on the adjoining side. As well as the text side that says, I don't know, 2021 champions. Wow. <laughs> so smug. I love you and I hate you right now so oh, much. No, but to be fair, Most I am wearing another scarf because I wanted to show some love to my guy here. 
It's a TSG scarf that was lovely, uh, wonderfully handed to me at ISC on Saturday night from a bunch, a couple friends of yours who were like, "Hey, yo, are you Danny? I heard you got weed." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I told people. <laughs> so after you know providing said weed that I obviously did have, they were like, "Oh, you you know have this," and I, I can honestly tell you, this is one of the most beautiful scarves I've seen. Like the you design work is amazing, the colors yeah. are amazing. <laughs> Say it again. Yeah, Danny, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Yeah, no. He please. said. He said. We know. <laughs> you know when you don't have an MLS Cup, you rely hard on your design team. And guess what? We got a great one. Marketing, 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 marketing. Street, baby, marketing <laughs> shit in the house. <laughs> well, so, so, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was saying it was awesome. Um, yeah. but I can honestly say. The second time going to Portland was a completely different experience from the first time. <laughs> a little more anxiety that first time. Uh, a lot, I would say, because that first time honestly felt like a blur because that whole playoff run, if you see it all the way through, you don't have enough time to catch up with the planning and organization that you need to do to keep it and maintain it to actually make sure it goes off as well as it does or it can go. Walk Thanks us through. ISC this time it was a lot more the wonderful team behind the, the Riveters as well as the ISC board put on a great program and it was just nice to be back. But thankfully I didn't have to do much but just sit there and listen. Shout out to all the people that went to ISC. Shout out to the people who, you know, just keeping the supporters world rocking the way it's rocking. But now tell us about your MLS Cup experience. That's, that's, that's what the people came to hear. We want to hear about getting off the plane. We want to hear about the excitement going in. Uh, you know, as you might recall, or maybe you don't know, we we helped Portland rechristen their new stadium when it when it had uh, that new stand put in and put a hurting on them in that game and beat them uh, and kind of spoiled the party. And I remember, you know, watching from a distance uh, for that game. Everyone was talking about, oh, Portland finally gets to host their MLS Cup. And all the narrative was was pointing one direction. But, you know, how are you feeling inside as, as you guys are looking forward to that? And how confident did you feel or not feel as, as the game was getting underway? And what was it like being in the stands for an MLS Cup? I guess if I had to put it in one word, I'm going to put it in more words. But if I had to put it in one, I'd say unreal. Because... At no point in time while being over there and experiencing all that it was, did reality actually feel like it set in. It felt just like one long dream that really started the Sunday before when we had just beaten Philadelphia, like in the last couple of seconds, when everybody and their grandmother kind of started looking down at their phones. It was like, all right, what's the flight to this? Okay, how much would it cost? Where would we stay and everything? And literally the next 48 hours, 2,500 people booked air, air, uh, airlines and, uh, and hotel places for within literally for a trip that was going to happen maybe 72 hours post. I didn't buy my ticket until Tuesday morning because they had to settle some shit with work. But everybody only really got there like Friday night late. Well, you and guys had 2,500 people out there? We wow. had about 2,500 people out there. Shit. I, and the number kept going up as long as the week progressed. And it was just like, I don't know how the fuck that happened because it was, you know, still COVID was still raging and everybody was just like, no, 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 no. This is the first time we're ever going to be in the cup. We're going to be there. 
And I think what was funny because of that sentiment, at first, nobody really cared whether we were going to win or lose. I mean, we obviously wanted to win, but like I remember talking to everybody, it's like, no matter what, just being here in the first place is on, is just the best. So if we lose, well, they thought we were going to lose to New England two games ago. Like we are already further than we expected. And if we win, well, we'll see. So we, I ended up personally getting to um, Portland at 10 30, 11 PM Friday night. And then the security plans, because they wanted us in so early, we had to start pre-gaming a lot earlier than we normally would before a game. So the game was at 12 p.m. Pacific time, and we were up at 7.30 drinking in the hotel conference room. Oh, hotel conference room. There's nowhere to tailgate when you're the away team in Portland and it's raining all day. Mm. And at so 7.30 in the morning. At 7.30 sure. in the morning. So thankfully, the hotel that we stayed at, which was funny enough, the same place that we hosted, that ISC was hosted. Um, mm. Yeah. Damn, it really was just a walk down. It's like you really did live there on the top floor. We oh. did, because the same place that we were, like, we, so Third Rail has our own, like, branded whiskey that we work with a local, like, bourbon distillery around here. Nice. And I was sitting out here pouring shots of whiskey for people in this hotel, in this conference room that a month later I was listening to people give important speeches about the world, the world affairs of football. So then that whiskey ended up leading into um, a march that we had in front of the hotel. Oh, we marched yes. from the hotel, 2,500 strong, all the wow. way to the stadium with drums, singing, chanting, people in Portland flipping us off and showing their colors because like, I think one of you guys said earlier that they're a city that knows that gets it. Like, I haven't seen another city in the country that just understands soccer as much as Portland does. Mm. It like gets behind it too. Soccer city USA, they call it. They said it a lot. Some of them, baseball. Some of them called it. They called it. Yeah, I just love that we both have incredible memories. Yeah, yours is sweeter, but I think mine mine is also very very sweet of ruining their the rechristening of the stadium, but. Talk to me about, I mean, yeah, that, that give me, give me more about that March, man. Shout out to the Pacific Northwest, both Seattle Slim, would know well, and Portland. Incredible March to the match atmosphere. You can yeah. the walk up to the match is it gets you in a frenzy. You're walking through the city center to yeah. the stadium itself. Like, talk to me about what you're feeling, what you're seeing outside of the people flipping you off. Like every everything, everything, sights and sounds. I want to hear. So. I honestly had no idea it was going to be like that until as we are finishing cleaning up and putting everything downstairs, uh, I mean, putting everything away that we had to after our pregame, it, the magnitude of the amount of people there didn't hit in until I walk outside and I'm hit with a wall of sound of our drummers and 2,500 people in matching NYCFC ponchos that they were giving out because we're a bunch of New Yorkers and we don't really have raincoats like that. And it was raining cats and dogs, but nobody was complaining shit. And we literally had a police escort for about 15 minutes through the entire city to their stadium. And like, it was electric. It was insane. It was the loudest we've ever heard us. It was, I mean, especially when you're going through a bunch of buildings and people are honking at you, shit goes pretty nuts. Um, The only sad part that I can say that I missed was, having some sort of pyrotechnics, but 
we're getting a police escort through somebody's rant, like from somebody's city. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. Like the shout only out to the, shout out to the fucker in 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 Atlanta who 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 lit who lit the smoke and then put it in the trash can right when he saw the cops. <laughs> See, smart at least. But yeah. the worst part about it though is the end where you go up a massive hill that basically put all of us tied, like knocked us out. And thankfully they put us, we had to be in security two hours before the game started. So we were all just able to rest up a little bit before the game. But it was the same <laughs> that hill at the end. Damn. Work on your cardio if I have if I had to give anybody a piece of advice on that. And then the game goes to extra time. You know, it's a it's a it's a marathon game, some swings of emotions. Uh, give us the give us the moment that it was official. What was your what was going through your head as a guy who organizes so much, who spends so much so much of his spare time, does this for free, does this for the love, the euphoria that must have set in when when it was finally official and you see your players drop down to knees and your coach is stripping his suit off and all that. <laughs> um Going back to what I was saying, that one word earlier, unreal. I mean, I've never seen so many grown men ugly cry at the same time in my life. <laughs> Myself included. It was just a pure jubilation. Like, I don't know, man. Like, there's, it's hard to put it into words, the amount of happiness of literally everybody there. Because it's the same people that you spend most of your weekends with anyway. The most passionate yeah. people there who give a shit anyway. And you're all there at the same time when... What happened on the field? Nobody expected it to happen. I mean, we did, but everybody, like you said, was telling us otherwise that the momentum and the story, everything was leading up for Portland. Like, oh, there's big triumphant win at home. And it just doesn't happen. Especially after their last minute game, uh, last minute tying goal in in like regulation. We mm-hmm. thought we were done. So to see that last kick when, well, first when Johnson saves the first two and actually gives us hope again. And then that last kick when he just knocks it in the back, there's actually a video of me borderline like blackout at this point. Somebody is like recording us and is just like, and I turn, I go, if we make this, we win. Turns the camera, see the goal. Then everything's blurry and it's like the Blair Witch Project because we're all screaming and jumping and crying and hugging and, and laughing and crying and singing and laughing. And it's, I, 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 would, I hope everybody gets the opportunity to feel that so, that something in their life because, God damn, it wasn't fulfilling. I mean, NYCFCs had had great seasons uh, since their existence, but I feel like this was one where they were like, you know, like you said, counting them out probably from the beginnings in the playoffs. So it wasn't just that game; it was the whole run. And yep. I mean, how much did that add to it? Do you think just like how unexpected it all was? The fact that you guys are halfway across the country. Was there ever a moment where you had wished you were back back in New York, New Jersey area, or were you so happy to be doing it where you were doing it and how you were doing it? Uh, it's a mixed bag for sure. Like I would have loved to have been able to play at home and do it in front of our fans and be able to sleep in my own bed that night and not have to worry about a lot of other crazy shit that went down. But this was a this was a statement piece. Like this was us saying that hey, you guys like to write us out a lot. I mean, to be fair, historically speaking, we would write ourselves out in the playoffs, like first or second round. But this year felt different. It felt like, hey, they had a lot of grit to them. 
they had a lot of pent up tension of literally surviving the last couple of years in New York City right when it was bad at first. Mm. Like it was as a kid who really who grew up around 9-11 in and around New Jersey, New York and New Jersey, it was like that first World Series win after 9-11. It was like that magic bit of like, hey, you just gotten dealt a lot of shit recently. Here's this one shining moment that's gonna not gonna make all of it worth it. It's just going to make it feel better. Love that. Do you want to give us any tales of the aftermath? It sounds like there's some aftermath, but you, you can you can say what you want and leave what, leave the parts out you don't want. For sure. Um, so my president, Andrew Tucker, the man with, with the plan and a lot of foresight that he has, had ordered a – had put out an order of like – 70 bottles, 80 bottles of like cheap champagne. And at first I was like, you're crazy, man. Like, how are you doing this? That's bad luck. Like what's going on? And then it happened. We won. And they have like a, maybe a couple blocks away from the, from the stadium was this like little town square. I don't know how to describe it. Like for us, I would, for us, I could say it's like a Madison. It's like a tiny version of Madison square park or union square. And they had a a replica outsized version of the MLS Cup that people had been taking pictures with, souvenir pictures with all day. So we took 80 bottles of champagne. We went over to their replica fucking MLS trophy, got up on the little podium where everybody takes pictures, and we popped bottles while our drummers were drumming, and we were singing like the guys in the locker rooms themselves. Like we were having a blast. Damn. Yeah. Eighty bottles. Eighty bottles. Eighty bottles. Casey Garcia, we see you. It's not. It's not a real victory until eighty bottles. It's not. And then we were, you know, had fun, and thankfully everybody was wearing ponchos and rain jackets because we were in Portland already. So was it still raining? It oh, it'd been raining all day. It was absolutely still raining. And um, pouring each other, like basically just having the time of our lives, spraying each other down as champions. And what like was kind of awesome too is that win or lose, the FO had organized like a team meetup with the team that in the hotel that the team was at. And it just so happened that this time we had won. So we went to the go, they were giving us booze and food for basically just for being there. And it was like, shout out to them. One of the coolest things that they ever done finally at the time that they needed to do it. But we didn't realize, we thought it was going to be a very choreographed, like, you know, typical outing with the FO. Like, this is what's going to happen. Like, they're going to put him behind a table. It's going to be a panel. They're going to say, woo, we did it. No, no, not at all. We're all kind of sitting around waiting for the team. And all of a sudden, by the escalators, we hear chance. We hear our own fucking chance back at us. And it's the team coming up the escalators. Drinks in hand, just part and like cup in hand, partying, starting our own chants back at us. We all flood to the hallway we're in. We start chanting with him. It's an entire like they're right in the middle of us. We're just literally just jumping up and down, having a blast with the entire team. They're passing the cup around. I'm, you know, near the cup tune, getting my touches in, and then at one point. One of the guys almost drops it, but I helped catch it. So that was something. But we ended up partying with the team for about a good 
like hour, hour and a half. And we were drinking. They had a couple drinks. They were doing like, at some point, we ended up getting back into the main conference hall and uh, there was, they grabbed the microphone and some of the players were chant, starting their own chants. And then there was actually one of my favorite moments because, I mean, as everybody knows by now, that whole bing bong thing kind of caught fire around the same time that our playoff run did. Yeah. So our uh, one of our homegrowns, James Sands, shout out to the fucking Rangers for taking him. He had done it a couple times during the playoff run. So I just happened to get lucky enough to be sit like standing right near him when they're giving him. I end up with the mic at one point and I give it to James Sands. He quiets the rooms. Then he just goes, bing bong. And that's it. <laughs> and he walks off. And that was the last time we saw James Sands. <laughs> that's a great way to go out that's a great way to go out though that's awesome man. but that's other awesome. than that everybody kept drinking and partying and shit and then I don't What's remember you're making a lot of people really jealous right now, and I think that's part of the the goal of this pod is to do it at the beginning of the season so uh, everyone kind of knows what to anticipate yeah. in the future but um, but damn, that's so and then you get back to New York and you guys do a parade isn't that right? Nope we got no they shut down a parade idea because that was right at that point. Case rates were jumping up like crazy. And to be honest, like, I don't know if we would have been, it would have, it would have looked bad if on a Wednesday in the middle of December, not many people showed up. So it ended up being just a, like a town hall thing where a decent amount of people showed up, but not for a parade to pack out the city streets of New York city. Right. Yeah. And then it wasn't much of a, they kind of just presented it. We booed de Blasio. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, everybody else kind of like the, the club had a few words to say, like our captain, John, Sean Johnson had a few words to say it was more subdued, but the real party happened in Portland. Nice. That's the name of the episode. The Were there people happened. who you knew who kind of wanted to go, they're thinking about going, but then they didn't end up going and then regretted it like hell later. A couple, definitely a couple. So, do you have any uh, message to to just the football supporting community at large? Um, if your team makes it to the to the cup final and it's halfway across the country and only have seventy two hours notice, what's your advice to them? Do it. Always do it. You will never regret being there. You will never regret being there, no matter what. And like I say that, even knowing that if she, I mean, if we lost, we all still would have had a great time. So go do it. You're 2,500 of your mates. How could you not have a great time? Ponchos, 80. They were still would have had the 80 bottles of champagne afterwards. I think that's the best part. <laughs> I mean, they were there. Yeah, exactly. We would have just probably drank more of it instead of spraying more of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think we're going to take a second break with Danny after hearing his MLS Cup things. We're going to get back and talk about how uh, NYFC, NYCFC is coming to the bank without LAFC. And they're going to be playing. We're going to talk about other shit. Yeah, we'll be right back with you guys. We're going to take one, one more break, real quick. We're back. FCFC pod. Tea with Dweez. Tea time. We're having a little tea time out here. We would just Danny could be here with us having some tea. Danny, at some point, you're going to come and hit, chill in the backyard with us. The stadium is just down the street from where we're at. We're coming to you live from Expo Park. Nice. Middle of LA. 
And uh, we're drinking a little sencha in your honor, a little Japanese green tea. We always like to clo- close out the, uh, the night with a little bit of tea and a little bit of launching off into the deep end with the questions. So tell us about your darkest memory of life. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to talk more about uh, NYCFC and s- sort of them having this interesting thing where they're going to reschedule one of their games and they're going to be playing at the bank out here. And we were curious if you're going to be out here, Danny. Uh, so my sentiment for, well, first I'm not going to make it out there because, you know, the past couple of trips to Portland have, you know, put a drain on my wallet. So we got to be able to recover funds. Plus I got like seven weddings this year that I have to be involved with. So I mean, uh, it's going to be a long year, but my feelings in regards to it, I'm going to be honest with you. This is part of what it is to be homeless FC. Like, you're not – after playing a decent, sizable chunk of our games in our rival stadium, having not having a home literally the entire experience of the team's existence, it's whatever at this point. And when yeah. you understand it from the strategic value of not wanting to literally run your players down with jet lag between traveling to another country, then the other side of the country, and then back to your home city – it makes sense that for not wanting to, for wanting to give your team the best opportunity to win. Yeah. I so it was it was kind of burning at me because I remember all of us went out to NYCFC for I guess what was that 2019 our first away day was March it was actually St. Patty's March 17th as I do remember hmm. I had a great time talked to a lot of NYCFC supporters had had some good kinship all around but the oh. yeah the common thing again and again was just that desire to have a stadium. And I'm curious, and I got to ask, would you trade that MLS Cup for a stadium no. if it was on the docket? I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to what? say right now, but no, no, I wouldn't. wouldn't. I mean, there's a little bit for uh, for all of the, the jokes that, oh, your team has no history, your, your young team, it was completely created out of nothing. Well, how do you create history by literally living it, right? Mm. I remember a few of us talking about how had we had won it earlier, let's say similar to how Atlanta did it, probably wouldn't have felt like we really deserved it. Like, oh, like we wouldn't, we would have gotten complacent right afterwards. Mm. We went through seven years of bullshit. And it's like this one tastes a little bit sweeter because we had gone through all of that from player signings that ended up screwing us over in the end. Like remember hearing about how Lampard ended up got dicked out of us for about six months more than he should have for playing with Mm -hmm. Man City to having to play in so many different stadiums in the state, in Connecticut, in New Jersey, at a rival stadium to whatever other crap that just the existence of the club has thrown our way. So for us to win this in the manner that we did this with the team spirit and the team grit and like it, there wasn't really, it was a very team squad. It was a very team win. So I just like the story of us, how we won the cup on the road without a team, I mean, without a, without a stadium kind of adds to the allure of what our history was, is, and I think will be. 
Yeah. And as you were just saying, it sounds like you're pretty, you, you, you're kind of acceptant of that, of that homeless FC part of it. You guys are so used to not, you know, having that spot, but do you still sometimes allow yourself to dream about that stadium and, and how do you sort of like manage your emotions around the prospect or not prospect of a stadium coming? Or is it just one of those, Oh, I can't control it. So I'm just going to keep rocking life as I'm rocking life. And hopefully they get it someday. It's really the latter. I mean, mm. there are people who get worked up with every single rumor that comes out only to be let down so many times. Like, why do you want to keep going on that roller coaster of emotions when you can just enjoy what you got in front of you? And if it gets better one day, awesome. Not to say that there's like a, a measure of being complacent too. Like, obviously we as fans should keep asking, Hey, so like, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? But like knowing how politics works and how land works here in the New York city, in New York city and knowing how this shit can take forever. Mm. You, you do what you, you do what you can you hope for the best, but you expect the worst. Like who cares? That kind of brings up like a bigger existential question, which I'll open up to Josh and Sam's like when it comes to supporter culture, you know, clubs that try to have a community side and have a lot of community say you you're sort of encouraged to step up and let your voice be heard about certain issues. You know, we, we never had to deal with the stadium one that Danny's describing, but do you guys feel like it, it makes it harder when things don't go the way you want because you're sort of given an invite to participate and be heard in that way. And then it doesn't, doesn't work out. Would do you, do you sometimes wish it was a, you know, a more, I can't control it. You know, they got it. They're going to deal with it. We don't, we are say our words don't count. Or do you like having as much involvement as you have? I guess it's a double-edged sword in some ways. Um, yeah, I think like you said, it's a double-edged sword. You're going to appreciate that. Like Spice said earlier and, and uh, Rich always says is like, we're, we're co-authors in this. Right. But mm. There's a lot of authors, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, of course, it's 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 it can get conflicting and whatever. But at the end of it, I mean, you, if you're not appreciative of this, then you're not really seeing the big picture, because like what we have here and the way we are connected with our front office isn't normal. You know yeah. what I mean? Like not many places are the fans going to really have that much of a say in anything. Um yeah, and and they kind of take us along every step of the way, and and ask for input, and you know they sift through the ideas, and yeah, it, it can get tiresome sometimes, but yeah, you wouldn't have it any other way. How about you, Spice? Yeah, I mean, I th I think it's good that we have Danny here because like, like I grew up, I mean, where we grew up is like Yankee Country. The Steinbrenners were the force of like the absolute sports world of being like we know better than everyone we'll spend the money because we know better than everyone and um we were never expected to have a relationship with management you know that's just like how how it went that's that's what we accepted i think for us to to come into the frame and be like hey you know what if we leave there is a significant population or significant portion of experience that goes with us and having that power and then the front office understanding that and recognizing that and giving us some kind of insight in it, I think I really wouldn't trade that, you know, for any kind of experience before. I'm sure a lot of 
like even Man United Sports feel the same way about the Glazers and their ownership, right? And even mm-hmm. the Glazers have had to kind of kind of show their hand a little more because supporters in soccer in particular are so powerful. And they break into your stadium and just <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's a it's a beautiful sight to see, right? I think Danny, what you described when the players, the front office found it important enough finally to have the players celebrate alongside the supporters. That's a great, that's, that's like, like, could you imagine, ever imagine the Yankees or the Knicks ever doing that? I mean, the Knicks will never win, but <laughs> the Yankees ever doing that, like it's, it's unheard of. Right. And so the idea that, yeah, like we've had, you know, our friends in the locker room and also even when we win the supporter shield, like for our supporters to go on the field and for that to be as big of a, of a deal to them as it is to players, I think, from everything I've understood and followed about sports, I wouldn't trade that. Yeah. It was, I mean, like you, we kept asking ourselves, where else in the world would you have been able to have that exact experience that you want? Like winning the, their respective championship trophy in what league, in what country, in what sport can you do that? And I don't know if there was anywhere else that it would have, like, I think it happened to be just like, uh, like planets aligning moment because if we had done that at home, I don't know if we would have had that access. Mm. We've all been scattered to the wind in New York City, but because we had so many people all in the same place and that this was already organized post game anyway, that it was a, like again planet aligning. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm curious. Like I don't know if you guys saw you know, Diego Valeri's last game in MLS ended up being the MLS Cup. And that was part of the narratives people were trying to talk about. But when he left, he wrote this really beautiful thing to the to the city of Portland and all no, that. I didn't, I didn't read that. You didn't read it? I thought it was I thought it was pretty beautiful. I was like, you know, I, I, I'm with I'm with the, you know, that's that's go beat Portland when we're in Portland train. But like it was pretty dope. And I'm curious, like, as someone who just got back from ISC, like, and you kind of get to talk about you, you know, get to talk to different supporters at different clubs. Where where are we like with MLS overall and supporters having a say, uh, you know, a better relationship, I guess, with their front office or a closer relationship with, you know, with the players, that kind of thing. Is, is that, is the distance getting closer together or farther apart or is it sort of a mixed bag? Um, what was your kind of experience with this last weekend, Danny, bringing it back to ISC? Honestly speaking, we are getting closer and closer and more involved with the say of the stake of the league, but the stake of like soccer as a whole. I mean, it was cool to see what, I guess now three years ago when I had met Sam, when they were talking about some of the initiatives that they were working with in our league, within the NWSL, with the USL and the NPSL, like all these different leagues that we have all these connections with. And the ISC updates at the time were, Oh, establish contact with so-and-so from this league. Establish contact and and book the meeting with so-and-so in this league. And then hearing that same update, this go-around, about how, oh, we've had our fifth and sixth meeting with Stormbreaker, the guy who's in charge with, like, security and all this shit for the whole league. And seeing the amount of progress, even just in the last two or three years, surprisingly, through everything that's been happening, to see that, like, ISC as a whole is, one, growing exponentially. Two, our influence is growing exponentially. And three, we're not even just talking about just our country anymore. Like, we're now, because of ISC, we were, like, we're able to review 
like World Cup bids for the cities in New York, in, in all around our country, in, because they want us to have a say in what's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. it's empowering us, the people who are already putting all this time and energy into organizing whatever the hell we do already, to have a bigger and outspoken voice in our community with just within soccer. But we'll just using soccer as that like megaphone. Because for real, one of the things that were discussed was how in those bids for the World Cup, like some things were misrepresented and like having people who are literally from there be able to read these things and say, okay, well, this is wrong. This didn't happen. This didn't happen. We're able to actually put a check on different organizations that are trying to like one profit off of us and two misrepresent us. Mm. So it's like without ISC, without this collective of, well, just literally us, I doubt we see as much progress with what we, with what we have a say in the league in, because I mean, the iron front being a prime example, because ISC was able to step in and say, well, this isn't what you think it is and you shouldn't be banning it and you should be listening to us so we can tell you why. Well, that's, well, they changed the rules because of that. Mm. Yeah. And to, to be so, so bold to speak on behalf of my co-host here, like, I think, at least for this podcast, we've always stood for supporters getting more recognition and also people not profiting off our image and also not misrepresenting us, as you just said, Danny. Like, that's the sports world is better. Hopefully, the world world is better for that. And I think that's something that we, we truly choose to promote. That's why we speak to so many supporters. That's why we're part, kind of part of the culture as it is. So, out of all this, like, that's what I, I keep holding true to is like from all things I've heard from Sam from IC, from Sue from IC, now from you from IC. It's like the stronger front we have together is is the better that the sports atmosphere in the world will get for, for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I think absolutely. And I mean, what's cool is because of some of the organizations that IC works with, like FAIR, um, I can't remember the acronym, but it, they deal with a lot of more. Uh, like social justice issues within football around the country. Like they're currently advocating for, you know, the inclusion and protection of the LGBTQ plus community in the 2022 Qatar world cup. Like that's an awesome issue to say that we as an organization are throwing our support behind. So like from here on up, man, we, if, like you said, as a United front, as a United group of literally supporters, our voice can be pretty loud. And Danny, do you feel like, you know, I, I remember when Sam went a few years ago in Baltimore, he kind of came back and, you know, without throwing any shade in any, any one direction, it was just like, it was crazy for him slim to see how, like how, how much some of those other squads were just like struggling, getting, you know, the, the ball rolling on some of the support things they wanted to do. They would sort of talk to you guys at LAFC, like, how could we, how could we improve this or how could we improve that? Danny, did you feel like on this trip, like kind of all boats are rising, like things are improving at all those clubs and, and, and it is because of that United front. Did you get that sense while you were there? For sure. But it definitely also did include some people and some groups that are looking that were pretty much on the newbie side too, looking for that guidance. Because the first day of what ISC is, is a bunch of different breakout sessions led by other groups centered around these topics that are all supporter related, like how to throw a proper game day with tailgates and TIFOs and marching and singing, or how to reach out to corporate sponsors to ask for beers 
sponsors, how like what to do with vendors, like basically the how the the ones the one on ones of how to be a supporter group. That's all what uh, day one is, and for a group as like us, where we're a lot more like we're decently experienced and we we're decently organized. It's cool to sit there and listen and just to gain that perspective to see well, especially because we have lower league groups and NWSL groups coming and a lot of their support is only bit like starting to gain steam now. Those are the groups that are taking that are like they're sitting in these meetings just scribbling notes like this is how you do this, this is how you do that, and to remember how far you've grown in that moment is awesome because that's how we grow the sport and that's how we grow the community in practice, literally right there, learning from each other. Yeah. I mean, I think I can speak for all of us. We, we all want to go visit stadiums where the atmosphere is amazing across the country. We want to go to different leagues where the atmosphere is amazing. Men's, women's game doesn't matter. We want to see the shit popping. We, we want, yep. you know, as creative songs, we can get the best TIFOs, we can get the best, you know, match days experiences representing the cities we visit. Um, and it's, it's, it's great to hear that despite COVID and everything, uh, that that's, all progressing very much ahead of schedule and that things are improving quite a bit in this big lead up to the world cup. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Slim, do you, were you sad you didn't get to go this year and see all that beautiful optimism? Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, it's, it's kind of just a refresher of like, yeah. And that perspective too, of <clears throat> seeing supporters groups from other, other leagues and, you know, newer groups and whatnot. And, hearing their struggles and kind of being like, I remember that shit. You know what I mean? It's, it's all part of it. And, um, as well as like being in misery with the rest of them talking about all the struggles we have to go through, whether it's, you know, alcoholism in, in your supporter section or dating within your supporter section or whatever the hell else comes with building this community. It's just nice to have people that all get it. And, and with that, you, you get refreshed knowing like, all right, like we're all miserable together. Let's go out there and get it. <laughs> well, I feel a lot of camaraderie between LA and New York now. Yeah. I don't know about though, you guys. Even though fuck New York, but like as a city. <laughs> fuck you guys. Like... <laughs> no, no, no. It's not fuck you guys. It's fuck you slim. <laughs> okay, fair. Well, no, maybe no, no. If my host in New York was better, I probably would have enjoyed it better. Well, it sounds like you just need to hang out with Danny. It sounds like a personal problem and I need new yeah. friends. You just need yeah, to hang out with Danny. Slim, you come out here, we will have a ball. I, I promise you. That's what Josh said to me. Yeah, but then Josh got drunk and went home and didn't see us all for two days. So, yes, no, if any, time. if any, if if there's anyone to blame for it, Josh, yeah, it's, it's jo- yourself. Well, th- there was oh yeah, you effect. don't think I feel that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sam <laughs> told me every chance I fucking yeah, Oh man! And on that note, let's get to our last segment, which is recommendations. Recommendations. You can recommend whatever you want, be it a restaurant. Um, a book, a movie, uh, a girl you met online. A visit to New York and doing something differently this time around. Yeah, yeah. So uh, take it away, guys. Any recommendations? Spice, I think you're ready to start. I got the first. I got the first. Okay, so I've recommended AMC A-List in the past, and I've been taking my own recommendation and using it to its full ability. I watched an anime movie in IMAX the other day hey. called Bell B E B E L L E and it was beautiful. There's a lot of music, 
There's a lot of beautiful colors. There's a lot of mix of 2D and 3D animation. And it was one of the most beautiful and powerful movies I've seen in a long time. So, Bell, watch Bell. it in IMAX right now. Is that it? No two-parter? Okay. I'll go, I'll go next. No, uh, mine's not very good, so I'll okay. go next. You go next. <laughs> um, I've been addicted to Wicked Tuna on Disney+. Plus. Um, if you're just looking for a show to just have on in the background, Wicked Tuna. What is Wicked Tuna? It's just about bluefin tuna fishing. It's like oh, it's like a re- it's a documentary series. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like what's the other one that where they go crab fishing? Deadliest catch. Deadliest, Deadliest catch. It's just basically the same thing with their tuna fishing instead. Sounds like a recipe. <laughs> for- <laughs> You've been watching that, bro. It's so <laughs> addicting. Um, so I, I have no desire to go tuna fishing, but I've been stuck on the show for a good couple of weeks now. Well, that's awesome. That's a, yeah, we'll we'll take that. Danny, I'm actually going to toss it to you. You ready with a recommendation? Yeah. So I would have to say that my recommendation to everybody here and most of the people probably listening to this podcast is I recommend a trip to New York city for when you guys do play us next time LA does come out to us because I think that one there is a good kinship, kinship between like one, me and Slim, and then a couple others of your SGs that I've met this weekend. But two, like city wise, but and club wise, like we're the newer guys on the block. We're pretty much the same attitude on it. You guys bring the heat. Obviously, got to give you all the props on that. But so do we. Like when we win the cup. So. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you guys come out to us, we'll try to organize a group, like a group meeting, a group hangout the night before. And that's what I would want to recommend. Hell yeah. That sounds awesome. Don't drink in public on the public street in New York, guys. That's my other recommendation. Ooh. You get in trouble that's, for that. The bouncer <laughs> slapped. Actually, hey, I actually, they recently relaxed those rules a little bit because of COVID. Just don't go walking down the street with it. But they yeah, don't don't chuck in a beer on New York streets. <laughs> yeah, just don't walk outside. Uh, so, well, there's now these outdoor cafes that everybody's built outside on the sidewalks because of COVID. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang out there and drink. Don't walk with it. Yeah, Danny, this fucking this 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 degenerate? dumbass degenerate. <laughs> no, not not you. The fucking bouncer. Uh-oh. This bouncer seeing that there was 25 LAFC or not New York heads trying to get into this bar in Williamsburg. <laughs> Or wherever the fuck it was in Brooklyn, like Sam was drinking a beer outside, maybe he was shotgunning <laughs> at an accelerated rate, like slapped the beer out of his hand, and everybody was about to get down with this. Ba- the bouncer was about to get fucked up. It was being a bad look for the bouncer community. I literally came in between the two and put my hand straight up like this in fucking <laughs> in fucking big bear position, and like I was like, and then we went to a fucking barcade after. But that guy was about to get fucked up. So everyone behaved slim. Knows better now, but don't slap a beer out of some a man's hand. How about that? <laughs> that was a good recommendation, Josh. Yeah. Don't slap a beer out of a man's hand. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna close. I'm gonna close out the Rex here. Uh, so my brother and I and my cousin make it something called the Grill Dewey's Sandwich, which is a two hour mix of all the best mi- music of the year, and we intercut it with good podcasts and sound bites from the year. And um, I just recommend going to check out on Mixcloud, Dewey's Bruvs. Uh, the Grilled Dewey's Sandwich 2021. Yeah, go check that shit out. And this is a two-parter because it's got David Cho interview on the Rich Roll podcast. And you know that we love David Cho. Go watch the Cho show on FX. It's crazy. But the David Cho interview on the Rich Roll podcast is incredible. So listen to the Grilled Dewey's Sandwich. Listen to the Cho show. Watch the Cho show. Keep it showy.
And that's my recommendation for now. And on that note, this has been another episode of the FCFC pod. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> FCFC. FC, FC. FCFC. FC, FC. FCFC. FC, FC. 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 FC, FC